Welcome to the City Light Podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online at citylightchurch.com. Today, we're in the final week of our series called How to Survive a Shipwreck. With everything going on in our world right now, it's important to have hope in the middle of the storm. In this series, we'll learn how to trust the Lord no matter the situation. Thank you for spending time with us today, and we hope you enjoy the message from the series, How to Survive a Shipwreck. Good to see you this morning. My name is Jason. I'm the lead pastor here of the church, but I never had a chance to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're wrapping up a great series that we've been doing in here called How to Survive a Shipwreck. But before I get into that, let me just do one thing. Let me look into the camera and welcome everybody who is at home today watching online. We love you. We miss you. We can't wait to see you. Church, can you put your hands together? Just welcome everybody who's watching at at home online. Awesome. Well, you know, this series has really been birthed out of what's been happening in our society today. Obviously, there's a lot of crazy things going on in our world today. I mean, I think if you told us a year ago that we'd be experiencing what we're experiencing now, nobody would believe you. And it's amazing what things can change in a short amount of time. And as I began to think about and pray through, like, what could we be continually speaking on? What can we give courage to? God led me to this portion of Scripture where Paul, the Apostle Paul, is on a ship in the middle of the ocean and he's not going to be in the best situation. He's, he's on a ship. He's going to stand trial before Caesar in Rome. But in the middle of this whole thing, a storm comes out of nowhere and almost sinks the ship, threatens everybody's life on board. And in this series, we've been really digging deep into this story and learning more and more about this whole uh, situation and how we can take the principles from this story and apply them to our own life. And it's amazing because in this story, there's a lot of things that, that, are, that we can take out of it. But I was thinking about this too. I said, you know, you know, we can all maybe be going through some kind of storm in our own personal lives. There could be something going on that maybe nobody knows about. There could be something going on that maybe because of COVID and everything happening that, you know, your life has been flipped upside down the last few months. And you feel like you're in a tremendous storm because of, because of that. Maybe you could be going in a storm with your family, maybe something with your your kids, maybe something with your your parents or your in-laws, and you feel like you're in the middle of a situation that you just don't know what to do. Maybe it could be something at work or a job situation where you're like, is my job going to be here tomorrow? Like, I'm afraid to answer the phone or look at my email because I don't want to get the email that says, can I see you in my office? Because... That may mean a bad thing, and uh, I'm just going to work from home and and not answer emails for a while. I don't know. But we can all be going through the uncertainties of life right now, and it can feel like we're in a storm. We can feel like we're going through something that maybe we've never gone through before. Maybe it's something that is out of the ordinary. Maybe it's something that you're just like, man, God, I just need your help in this situation, and I just don't know what to do. And in this story about Paul on a boat, I believe there's so many principles in here. That's why we've taken a whole month just to look at this one story and gain something out of it that we can apply to our lives 
and move forward in our own personal storms, our own personal shipwrecks that we may be going through. If you're unfamiliar with the Apostle Paul, let me just give you a little recap of his life. You know, he, he didn't start out as a guy who you would want to teach Sunday school to your kids, okay? Uh, he actually started off as a, a guy who his name was Saul, and he persecuted Christians. That was his whole mantra, was to go around Israel and stomp out Christianity. He would kill Christians. He would persecute them. He'd do whatever he could to stop this movement called Christianity. And it wasn't until the Bible talks about Acts chapter 9 until that Paul was one day ready to go to the city of Damascus to find some more Christians and take them out. It wasn't until that moment that he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. The risen Savior, Jesus Christ, literally knocked him off his horse. I love it. And said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And they had an encounter, he had an encounter right there with Jesus where it changed the trajectory of his life. He then changed, God changed his name from Saul to Paul, and he went on to be one of the greatest missionaries that we've ever seen in all society. I mean, even when he had this encounter with Christ and then came to Jerusalem, was like, I want to meet with the disciples. The disciples were like, I don't know about this Paul guy. Like, he's killed some folks. Like, I don't, this is a, this is a prank. This is a trick. I'm not going to fall for it. And they're like, no, 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 it's, he's actually changed. He had a God encounter that changed his life from the inside out. And he went all over Europe and, and, and spread the gospel, planted churches, did so many amazing things. His main calling was to go to the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, and spread the gospel and tell them about Jesus and, and what he had done and how he had risen from the dead and, and that he is now seated on high in heaven and you can put your faith and your trust in him. And, and Christianity spread throughout all over Europe because of what this man was doing through what God had called him to do. And then one day he was back in Jerusalem preaching and, and he, he kind of got in trouble because they didn't want him preaching about Jesus in Jerusalem. And so they arrested him and Paul says, I want to stand before Caesar. We're under Roman jurisdiction at this time. I want to stand before Caesar, so you got to take me to Caesar. And they, they said, okay, we'll take you there. And so they put him on a boat and then this is where the whole story really hits that we've been focused on is he's on this boat and they're traveling up, and, and there was a moment he even said, guys, I don't think we should sail right now, but whatever you guys are doing, like, I'm against it, but I'm, I'm a prisoner, so I got to go with you. And so he kind of goes with them, and in the middle of this storm, or in the middle of this journey, the storm hits, where they, the, the sailors, these people were freaking out because the storm was so bad. And in Acts chapter 27, I want to read to you this portion of scripture. We've read it a few times, but I want to read it out of the, the Passion Translation because I love how it says it. In verse 21, it says, After being without food for a long time, Paul stepped before them all and said, Men, you should have obeyed me and avoided all of this pain and suffering by not leaving Crete. Now listen to me. Don't be depressed, for not one of you will perish. Only the ship will be lost. For God's angel visited me last night, the angel of my God, the God I passionately serve. He came and stood in front of me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You are destined to stand trial before Caesar. And because of God's favor on you, he has given you the lives of everyone who is sailing with you. So man, keep up your courage. I know that God will protect you just as he told me he would. I want you to notice something here that Paul says. As I've, I've read this story a lot over my, my life. But as I read it again this month, something really stood out to me 
that I want to hit home today. Paul says something really interesting. He says, you know, an angel of my God came and stood before me. An angel of, of, of my God. He, he didn't say an angel of the Lord. He didn't say an angel of God. He didn't say anything like that. He, he personalized it and he said, no, 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 wait, wait. The, an angel from, from my God is here with me and was speaking to me and giving me understanding and knowing that, that we're not going down with the ship, that we're gonna survive this thing. And, and I love it because I started thinking about this. How did Paul not be freaked out like the rest of the sailors in the middle of the storm? How did he have a confidence in God through all of this? And I, and I truly believe it's because Paul understood something that even goes back to the Old Testament, which he was an expert in the Old Testament. And he would have understood what a man by the name of David wrote in the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms because it is a book full of encouraging notes and letters and songs and different things. And this is what David wrote in Psalms chapter 9. He said this. He said, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I love that. He says, those who know your name, which makes sense, right? Because you, if this was somebody who you didn't know, if this was a stranger, you may not trust them enough, right, to really put your, your whole trust into them. If you don't really know them, you don't know their name, you don't know anything really about them, it's hard to really put your full trust into somebody, but Paul knew something different. He knew God's name. He knew his characteristics. He knew his quality. And that's what I love about the book of Psalms because it, it constantly will say, have moments and times where it'll say, God, you are, and it'll say blank, and it'll fill in a characteristic, a quality, an attribute of who God is. And Paul understood. He goes, man, I, I know God's name. I know who he is. I know his characteristics. I know his qualities. And so as I stand here on a ship in the middle of a storm in my life, he goes, I, I have a confidence in knowing who God is. And I put my full trust in him alone. What is God's name then? So the question has to be asked, what is God's name? How did Paul have such a confidence in God's name through all of this stuff? How did he know it? And let me say it this way. Let's personalize it this morning. What, what do you call God? When, when you are at a moment of maybe desperation or a moment where you're like, man, I need to, I need to talk to God. What, what do you call God? You know, I think that what you call God reflects a lot about the relationship we have with him. I think, I think what we call God really matters. It's, it, it tells us something about the relationship with that individual. You know, if you have a friend or somebody where you call that person, really, really matters because it reflects the depth and the intimacy of the relationship that you have that, with that person. For example, you know, my wife is here. She's in the back running cameras and some switchers and things like that for our live stream. And my wife is here. She's my best friend. You know, she, she's my bride, and, and, and I call her my babe. I call her honey. I call her sugar. I call her a lot of other names that I'm not going to repeat here on Sunday because these are our names just between her and me, and that nobody else can call her these names because they're our names. You know what I'm talking about? If you're married, you understand maybe. Like, you got some pet names for each other, 
And, and for me, that, sh- that helps us see the identity and the reflection of the, the depth of our intimacy. That we have names for each other, that, that we have personalized things, we're close to one another. What you call someone, it also tells you so much about their relationship. Like, in other words, if, take me for instance. If you call me, you know, if you, if you called me up on the phone or said something or you met me and you, and you said, you're Jason Rowland or Jason Rollins, well, that would show me that you don't know me very well because my name is not Roland, it's not Rollins, there's no S on it, it's just Rollins, that's just my name. You know, If you said Roland or if you said Rollins, you're probably a telemarketer trying to get me to buy something, okay? Like you don't really know me that well. But, but if you said, if you call, said to me, you know, you know this, is, this is Pastor Jason, well that may show me that there is a relationship there at some point, you kind of know who I am, Maybe that you attend our church. Maybe you're a part of our, our church family and you know, okay, that's Pastor Jason. Okay, I know who, who, who he is up there, okay? But at the same time, maybe you, you might call me Jason. Maybe some people call me Jason. And, and that shows even a deeper level of friendship that maybe we've spent more time together. We've known each other for years. Maybe there, it's more informal. You're like, okay, that's, that's Jason up there. That's my friend Jason, okay? And that shows another depth of, of relationship. Now, there's a few people on this planet that will call me Jay or, or Jay Rawl. And if you call me Jay or Jay Rawl, that means that you probably, we went to high school together and that we probably played on some sports teams together. We competed together. And, and that when you're on a sports team with each other, you, everybody gets a nickname for some reason. And so my nickname was Jay Rawl. You know, they, that's just what they would call me. A buddy of mine actually texted me the other day, Jay Rawl, what's up? And I was like, I didn't even have to look at the name. I just knew somebody from high school is texting me right now. It's so great. So you kind of understand there's another level there of intimacy, another level of friendship. At the same time, there are, there are only a few people, two to be exact, that call me daddy. They call me daddy. And if you call me daddy, my son and my daughter, they call me daddy. That means that we have spent countless hours together. We spent countless times reading bedtime stories together. That means that we've laughed more than you can imagine together. That means that I've hugged them more than probably anybody on this planet and, and besides my wife, and we have an intimacy there. See, what you call somebody truly reflects the depth of the relationship that you have with that person. So let me ask you the question again. What do you call God? What, what do you call God? What, 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 what do you call him? You know, a lot of times people will refer to God as, man, it's the big guy upstairs. That's, that's how we refer to God sometimes. And, and I would say that if you refer to God as the big guy upstairs, chances are you really don't know him that well. Maybe it's just a, a funny name that you say about him, but chances are you really don't know him that well. It's funny because Jesus actually said in the New Testament, he called God Abba. He called, he called God Abba, which, is, which is, uh, actually means daddy, which means like papa, which means like father. Like, like Jesus literally, when he spoke and communicated with God, he used this um, intimate term, name called Abba. He goes, man, you're my daddy. Like I, that's how I look at you. It's like I, you're my father in heaven. I love you. I, I'm, so, man, I'm so close with you that I can call you Abba. It's just an amazing, reflects the intimacy of the relationship that Jesus and the Father had. So Psalms chapter nine, it says, you know, again, it says, those who know your, your name trust in you. They trust in you. 
those who know his name, you begin to trust in him. How do you grow in your trust for the Lord? How do you grow in your relationship with God? How do you grow in those things? Well, you get to know his name in a deeper way. You get to know his name in a great way because his name reveals his character. His name reveals the attributes about him. His name reveals so many things and that when you understand his name and you get to know him better, you can be in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a ship, in the ocean, in this huge, amazing typhoon and still have a confidence in knowing that God is faithful and God is with you and that you know who he is. I love it because the Psalms, like I said, they, they're constantly saying attributes about who God is. And so my hope today is to give you some, some things that you can cling on to, whether you're in a storm right now or you're not in a storm. Because here's the deal, either you're, you're in a storm, you're, you're, you're coming out of a storm, or you're about to go in a storm. I'm sorry, that's just the way life works. Like, you're either coming out of one, going in one, currently in one, or you're just coming out of one. That's just the way life works. It's like there's always going to be something going on in our life. And you may not need this today, but I think you need it every day because I need this to rely on every single day that I can, I can come to the Father and know that, man, he is hearing me from heaven. And, he, and I, I know his name. I know his characteristics. So if you're taking notes today, I'd love to give you a few things that the book of Psalms talks about who God is. Psalms 22, David wrote this one again. He says this, but you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. I love that. David says, God, you are my strength. God, you, you're, you're my strength. That you, that's what you are to me. You're, you're my strength when I feel weak. You are my strength when I feel like I don't know how to go another moment. You are my strength in the middle of a storm, God. You are my strength. That's who God is. He's your, he's your strength today. Like it doesn't matter where you're at. When you feel like you're at the end of your rope, man, God is your strength. I, I, one of my favorite stories that I've told before, but you know, a lot of times like I, when I used to work out, I'd work out with a partner and, and we would go to the gym and we would be you know, doing different exercises. A lot of times we'd be doing the bench and we'd always finish our exercise, our, our workout, with just kind of like a burnout where we would just take the bar and we would just do as many reps as we could until we were just dead, until our whole bodies were on fire. You know, we just kept going. And my buddy would always spot me and, and you know, he would be spotting one, two, and he'd be yelling at me, come on, you can do it, you got this, you know, encouraging me the whole time. Well, right in the middle of I'm about to die doing all these burnouts, I think a pretty girl walked by. Because all of a sudden, he began to look this way, and he didn't realize that I had completely let go of the bar. Like, I had just, my arms fell, I was like, oh, I'm done. And he kept going, yeah, you got it, all right, keep going, keep going, you got it. And he's looking down, I'm like, I'm like, John, what are you looking at right now? He's like, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't realize you were done. Okay, my bad. I'm like, who, was there a girl that walked by or something? You left me, like, like, come on, dude, what, are you supposed to pay attention to me? We're working out together. And it's so funny because that is so true about God. When you feel like you are at the end of your rope, when you feel like you can't go another moment in this life, when you feel like you don't know where to turn, you feel like I've done, I've exhausted everything that I could possibly Think of that God, when your strength is depleted, that is where God's strength becomes in and is made perfect in your weakness. That he comes right alongside of you and begins to help you when you feel like, I just can't do it anymore. He gives you strength. He gives you encouragement. He gives you power. And listen, you can only experience this when you get, we get to a point when you give God your weakness. 
and you say, God, I, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this in my own strength anymore. God, I'm giving it to you. And that's when you experience his power. That's when you experience his presence. That's when you experience all that God has for you because all of a sudden you realize that you can't do this in your own strength, but that is God's strength propelling you and keeping you forward. Who is God? What is his name? And he is your strength. If you feel like you can't go on today, if you feel like there's, there, I just, I can't do it, man, call on the name of the Lord. He will give you the strength to continue to keep fighting, to keep going, to keep showing up, to keep loving that person. God will give you the strength to continue on even though you don't feel like you can go on anymore. Next in Psalms chapter 31, another Psalm that David wrote, he says this, he says, he says I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. If you're taking notes, number two, it's like, man, you are a faithful God. God, he is faithful. You want to know the, the names of God? What is God, his characteristic, his quality? That he is faithful. The problem is in our, in our society and in our world today, you know, a lot of things aren't faithful anymore. And so when you hear God is faithful, that he's always faithful, sometimes it's hard to believe that because, you know, things in our life just aren't faithful. You know, relationships may not be faithful at times. People may let us down. You know, situations, circumstances are up and down. You, you know, your job is, can be up and down. There's, there's a lot of few things in our world today that are considered constant, are considered faithful. But let me we'll tell you one thing, that no matter who you are, no matter what you've gone through, that God is always faithful in your life. It doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've gone, that God is continually being faithful in your life because he loves you that much. He is so faithful in your life that all you have to do is realize and call on his name, God, I thank you that when everything else in my life seems uncertain, when everything else in my life is up and down, God, I thank you that you are still faithful. Even when I have blown it many times with God, even when I was faithless, God was always faithful in my life and he will be faithful in your life as well. That's the great thing about God. He is so, so faithful in our life. So who is God? Man, well, God is, he is faithful. He, he is my strength. These are things you can take to the bank every day and realize they're, they're true. But then David said this in Psalm 65, he says this, you faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O God, our Savior. You are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. Who is God? He's your hope today. He's your hope. When you feel hopeless in life, when you feel hopeless in a storm, when you feel hopeless in a situation, he is your hope. David said, God, you are my hope. You are my hope in my, you are all powerful, all present. You are always here. You are the hope of the world. Even people from distant land, David said, can put their hope into you because God, you never fail us. You never let us down. God, you are my hope today. Like if you are hopeless in your situation, if you're hopeless in your marriage, if you're hopeless in your job situation, if you're hopeless in your kid's situation, if you're hopeless in some other relational situation, Listen, God is your hope, and you can take that to the bank. God is your hope, and say, God, I thank you that, God, I can put my hope in you. My hope isn't in my job. My hope isn't in, you know, what's going on over here. My hope is in you, God, that you know what's good for me, and you're going to have my back in every situation. 
And that, God, I put my hope in you. My hope is not in the job. My hope is in you, Lord. And then later in Psalm 75, I'm just buzzing through these today. But Psalm 75, it says this. It says, we thank you, O God. We give thanks because you are near. People everywhere tell of your wonderful deeds. Another one is that, God, that you are near. That you are absolutely near to us. I love it that we serve a God who is not distant, who is not preoccupied, who didn't create the world and leave, but that we serve a God who is near to you and to me, that is right there, is closer to you than anything that could ever be imaginable, that God is right there with us in our time of need, that he has never left us, never forsaken us. He is right there with us. I love it that even Jesus, his own brother, James, says this in his book. He says, listen, when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. That's how great God is, that even when you're scared, when you're worried, when you're confused, when you're upset, when you're mad, doesn't matter what you're feeling today. He says, when you draw near to God, God, there's a promise in the Bible that God is right there with you. He is near to you. He doesn't leave you on your own. He is right there with you in the middle of the storm. He doesn't get off the boat just because it gets rocking. He is right there with you through the storms of life. It doesn't matter if the storm of life was created by something you did, it's something that someone else did. God is near to you in the middle of the storm with you that he is near to you. So what do you call God? What do you, what do you call him? And he is my strength. He is faithful. Yeah, he, is, he is my hope. He is, he is near. God, you are near to me. But I love this one as well. Psalms 86 says this. Oh, Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, and so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Man, who is God? He, he is so good. That's who God is. He's, he's so good. He's, he's so ready to forgive. He's so full of unfailing love for those who ask of him. Like that, that is so good. Like he's not just good. God is so good. Okay. He's not just, he's not just so ready. He's not just ready to forgive. He's so ready to forgive you and to forgive me. He, he's not just full of unfailing love. No, he's so full of unfailing love. Love is not something that God just does. It's, it's actually who he is. God is love and he's so full of it. And I love it that he wants to, us to understand that, man, that he's so good. That even in when, when the economy may be good, God is good. And when the economy is bad, God is still good. When your marriage is good, God is good. And when your marriage is struggling, God is still good. When, when that situation is happening just the way you planned, God is good. When that situation is not working out the way that you planned, God is still good in the midst of that situation. He's good in the middle of the, of the beautiful day on the beach, and God is still good in the middle of a storm on an ocean somewhere. God is always good. He's so good, and he loves you so much, and is ready to, he's so ready to forgive when we blow it, when we make mistakes, when we do stupid things in our life. I, I'm so blessed that I realized in my life that God was so ready to forgive me. That I didn't have to stand at a distance and try to get my act together and try to do all the, the Christian things to, to, get, to be made right with God. I just had to realize that I needed to come to him and throw all of my stuff down to him and say, God, I thank you that you are so ready to forgive me. 
You're, you're, you're just ready to embrace me. You're ready to love me. You're ready because you're so, so good. So what do you call God, man? He's, God, you're my strength. You're, you're always faithful. You're my hope. You're always near. You're always good. You're always ready to forgive. You're so loving, God. I thank you for that. What do you call God reflects the depth of what you know about him. But the last one I want to hit home on is this one, because this one means a lot to me. Psalms 118 says this. He says this, he goes, you are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. I love that. It's the same terminology that the apostle Paul says in the middle of a storm. He says, an angel came to me from my God, my God. And he spoke to me, he told me we're all gonna make it. And I love it because here the psalmist says, you are my God. Who is God? He's your God, he's your God. You know, it's interesting because growing up, I thought God was my God. I, I thought God was my God, but I realized that God actually was not my God. God was my mom's God, my grandma's God, but he wasn't my God. I remember there was a time when I was going through one of the darkest days of my life and I needed to pray to God. I said, God, I, just, I need to connect with you. I need to speak to you. And I realized I didn't know who he was. Like I knew a lot of the stories about God. I knew the Bible stories. I knew some, some great lessons that I learned at church because my mom made me, she dragged me to church in Jesus' name. But he wasn't my God. And I remember sitting there realized I found this old Bible. I tried to read and it was a, it was a translation of the Bible that I was like, man, I, I can't read this. And I remember I said, I, I need to know who he is for myself. And I remember I went out to, a, I don't think we have these anymore, but Bible bookstores and, and bought a Bible. And I, and I, for the first time ever, and I began to dive into it. A friend told me, start, read the book of James, start there and read some other books in the New Testament and keep going. And, and I remember reading it in this, as I turned the pages of this book, I realized that this was no ordinary book. That the pages and the words that as I flipped and read them, they came alive to me. And I realized that something that was written thousands of years ago was speaking directly to my situation right here, right now. And I realized, wow, God, I, I'm getting to know that, that what you're really all about. And I'm getting to know you personally. I'm getting to know you. And, and there was a transition at one point in my life where it wasn't just my mom's God. He wasn't just my grandma's God. But there was a moment in my life where I said, man, he is my God now. There is a transfer of faith that he's my God. I'm not relying on my parents or my grandparents any longer. He's my God now. And I took ownership of my faith. That's one of the things I tell, I tell Christian kids that grow up in the church, you know, because I was one of those kids. And, and, and I tell them all the time, I say, listen, there's got to be a moment in your life that there's a transfer of faith, that you own this faith. 
Because I know right now your moms are taking you. Maybe if you're watching at home right now, your, your parents are making you watch online or maybe your parents are dragging you to church at some place or sometime. And you're like, okay, it's great. I enjoy going. But there's gotta be a moment in your life where you say, no, 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 this isn't just my parents' God. This is my God now. There has to be a moment where there's a transition where you own it. Say, man, this is, this, is, this is my God. This is who he is. And that only comes through knowing him personally, knowing him intimately, and knowing his name. Because when you know his name, it's so much easier to trust his heart. It's so much easier that when you're in the middle of a storm of life, to say, okay, I, I may not like the situation. I wish I could change the situation. But I know his characteristics. I know his qualities. I know who he is. And in the middle of this battle, in the middle of the storm, God, I know that you're my strength. God, I know that, God, that you are my hope. God, I know that you're right here in the middle of all this, that, God, you're near to me. God, I know right now in the middle of all this stuff, God, that, that, that God, I can call on your name. And, God, you answer me from heaven. God, I thank you. I know who you are. And that's what I want for all of us in this place. To not just say, yeah, that's, I, I worship God. My prayer is that we come to a place where we say, no, no, no. He's my God. He's my God. Like, I, I, I'm not going to go down that pathway because, you know, I passionately serve my God. And I'm not going to do anything to compromise my relationship with him because he's, he's my God. And, and I'm going to live my life for my God, not for people, not for opinions, not for anybody else. But I'm going to live my life for my God. And one day I'm going to stand before my God and give an account for everything I've done. And I'm going to stand before my God and he, my God's going to embrace me. My God's going to love me. My God's going to wrap his arms around me. And we're going to celebrate together because he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant one day. Because that's my God that's not nobody that's my God and I know him I know him personally I know him intimately I know I know his characteristics I know his qualities how do you trust him how do you trust him in the middle of the storm you get to know his name you get to know him personally you get to know what he's all about how do you survive that shipwreck in life you know his name and you call on his name in the middle of your storm. You call on it. You say, great, when the moment I feel weak, God, I thank you that you're my strength. God, I thank you for that. When, the, when, you, feel, when you feel like the world is so unstable, we say, God, I thank you that you're faithful. God, I know that, that everything else seems unfaithful right now, but God, I thank you that you are faithful. When you feel anxious and you feel afraid, you just say, God, I thank you that you are my hope today, that I'm not gonna put my anxiety and my fear anywhere else, God. I'm gonna place everything in you. You are my hope for today and tomorrow and the next day after that, God. I, I believe that. And when you feel isolated, alone, or hurt, you always say, God, I thank you that you're near to me. I may feel like I'm alone in this situation. I may feel like nobody even cares, God, but God, you are near to me, and I thank you for that. When we mess up, when we fail, when we hurt others, we sin against God, we say, God, you're so good. We thank you that you're so good, and you're so ready to forgive, and you're, you're so loving towards me, God, because that's who you are. You're good, and God, you're so good that you sent your son to reveal everything about you, God. That's who God is. So listen, as we close down this series, my hope, like I said, is that 
whenever the storms of life come your way, because they will come, that you know his name, that you know his name. And when you know his name, you trust his character. You trust his qualities, his attributes. You know who he is. And no matter what storm you're facing, you can go right through it because my God, your God is with you and he's never left you and he's never forsaken you. Can we all stand today as we close this message?